there are two labors that are similar, but there are no two labors that are the same. There are some moms who have had babies before. Some moms are taller. Some moms are shorter. Some moms have uterine abnormalities. Some don't. That's like mom to mom. But from pregnancy to pregnancy, it can really vary as well. Maybe you had a baby like 15 years ago and now you have this other medical history that wasn't really pertinent at the time. And now it is. There's just like so many factors that can come into play that can make each labor with the same person significantly different. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I am excited to be answering some listener submitted questions from the podcast hotline. Did you know we have a podcast hotline? Yes, we do. First up, we have a mom-to-be who's hoping for a VBAC after a C-section during her first pregnancy. She explains that she's already feeling some discomfort around her C-section scar and wonders if this could indicate an increased risk for uterine rupture and more largely if pursuing a VBAC is a safe option for her. Next, we have Taylor, a second-time mom who's curious if this labor will be similar to her first, which involved very frequent contractions that led to an epidural she was hoping to avoid. Now, if you want to submit a question to be featured on the show, all you have to do is call me up, call me on my hotline, and just leave me a little voice message. It's super easy. The phone number is 919-213-8719. And if you like what you hear in this episode, you can listen to episode number 168, which has the exact same format. All right, now let's dive right in. Hi, Liesl. I am currently about five weeks pregnant. And my first pregnancy, which was about two years ago, I had a C-section. And um, now for this second pregnancy, I really would like to try for a VBAC. However, even at this very early stage of my pregnancy, I'm feeling a little bit of like tugging around my C-section scar and which would be like, I guess, around my uterus, which I would guess is just like my uterus kind of expanding and like making room for the baby. But I'm just wondering whether or not feeling that would mean that by the time I have like a full term baby, like would that put me at higher risk for uterine rupture? which I know is the possibility for every VBAC candidate, but like it's rare. So I'm just wondering if that's any concern that I should have about even trying for a VBAC if I'm already feeling some discomfort in that area. I don't know if it means, you know, something could burst, you know, God forbid or anything like anything like that. So please let me know your thoughts. Thank you so much. This is a great question. And I have not personally had a C-section, but This is a common thing that I hear from a lot of my C-section moms that not only when they get pregnant the next time, but just in general, it's pretty common to have that sensation of like 
pulling or tugging or like stretching kind of in that scar area, kind of around or right on top of that scar area is when they had a C-section. So first of all, I will say that in general, these types of sensations, regardless of if you are pregnant or not, can be normal. And then second off, I will say that since you are pregnant again, even at five weeks, there is a lot going on with your uterus. Your uterus has just gotten the indication that like, hey, I got to start really, really rapidly growing in the next few months. So it's not out of line to think that you would really be starting to feel some changes even at that gestation. When you are pregnant, your uterus undergoes a lot of changes and a lot of stretching to accommodate this baby that is growing very, very quickly. And this stretching can really put pressure on pretty much all of your surrounding tissues, including that scar tissue if you've had a previous C-section. And because there is some scar tissue that builds up inevitably, some people have more than others, that is usually what's responsible for these kind of sensations, like the tugging and pulling and odd kind of sensations near your scar. So let's talk about scar tissue really quick. Scar tissue is different from normal healthy tissue. It has collagen fibers that are laid down during the healing process, but it might not have the same flexibility or elasticity as your original tissue, okay? Scar tissue is generally just less pliable. It just kind of stays, okay? It might not stretch as easily when it is subjected to forces, like when your uterus is expanding quite rapidly to accommodate your baby. And as your uterus is growing, it puts pressure on all of your tissues in that area, including this C-section scar, you know, if you've had one. And this pressure can really cause a lot of stretching and a lot of pulling sensation in that scar tissue area because it's just less able to accommodate your growing uterus compared to like all of the other surrounding healthy tissues that haven't been cut into or kind of manipulated at all. And it really does vary. Some moms say that it kind of comes and goes during pregnancy. They'll feel kind of that tugging and pulling um, at certain points or when they're changing positions, or it just really, really varies. It's not the kind of thing that, okay, I'm feeling this at five weeks and it's like only going to get worse and worse and worse. No, it kind of just comes and goes. So I would definitely expect that. Additionally, hormonal changes during pregnancy can really affect the sensation of your scar tissue, okay? Hormones like relaxin, and that helps to loosen your ligaments and your joints like in preparation for birth. That also might affect your scar tissue, which can make it more sensitive and prone to just discomfort. So with all that said, this is probably normal. OK, some tugging and pulling kind of when you first get pregnant or just in general, tugging and pulling around that C-section scar is normal. But of course, if you start to have severe pain down there or redness or swelling, any concerning symptoms or signs of infection, something like that, it is important to call your provider, right, and get this checked out for 
proper evaluation. Now, in terms of how it relates to, let's say, a uterine rupture or if she should have a VBAC, since this is something that is just normal, you know, in the general population of moms who have C-sections, it really has no bearing on whether you are more at risk for a uterine rupture or less likely to have a successful VBAC. Are feelings of anxiety and what-ifs filling your head when you think about giving birth? I'm sorry if that's the case. Take a deep breath, grab my hand, and join me for a totally free class to start gaining the confidence that you deserve. Gain instant access to my free on-demand workshop, Three Secrets to an Even Better Birth at mommylibernurse.com slash birthworkshop. Inside of this 45-minute go at your pace video class, you'll discover the three elements of birth preparation that pack the most punch. You'll learn strategies that you can use in preparation for birth and during labor, and you'll walk away with tons of actionable tips that you and your partner can start practicing right away. And guess what? There's so much more. (laughs) So sign up for free right now at mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. Can't wait to see you in there. Now, if you had had a C-section and you had not had a low transverse uterine incision, which is the most common way that moms are cut, you know, for C-sections, it's like that cut that's right underneath your bikini line. If you had had a different cut, then you would definitely not be a good candidate for a VBAC and much higher risk for having a uterine rupture, not only during labor, if you would have labored, but just during pregnancy in general. But if you had a low incision like that, the one that's right underneath your bikini line, then there's no reason to suggest like just because you're having this symptoms of pulling and tugging kind of early in pregnancy that you are at any higher risk of having a uterine rupture, you know, down the road. And let's just quickly, for those of you who don't know what uterine rupture is, let's talk about it for a second. So a uterine rupture is a pretty serious complication that can happen with really anybody who's pregnant. I mean, they can happen to moms who have not had C-sections, but they're more likely to happen during labor for a mom who's had a C-section before. And it's where your uterus partially or completely separates. There's a big old tear in the wall of your uterus. And this can be life-threatening, not only for baby, but also for you. You can start bleeding really, really rapidly. And especially if you have a uterine rupture right on your placenta, like your placenta can detach. It's bad news. We don't want uterine ruptures. Okay. Now, like I said, they are more common for moms who are attempting VBACs, vaginal birth after C-section, compared to moms who just have had a C-section before, and maybe they're coming in and they're just having another C-section and they're just pregnant and they just have a uterine rupture or, you know, moms who just have a uterine rupture without any previous history of a C-section. But it is important to note that with uterine ruptures, even if you are a VBAC mom, you're VBACing, it's a very, very low risk, okay? Ranges from 0.5% to 1% of women with one previous low transverse C-section incision, that bikini, you know, incision. So that risk is very, very low, but obviously it's still there. And some 
moms do choose to say, hey, you know, there's this risk. And I also have, you know, XYZ going on. I'm going to have a repeat C-section. Some moms say, I understand that risk, but I would rather try for a VBAC because of XYZ. Okay. Very, very personal, individual decision and just a decision that should be made on an individual basis after you consider a lot of different factors. It's hard to just sit here and say, VBAC is always better than having repeat C-section, right? Because there are so many different types of scenarios and it really, really just depends. But VBACs can offer a lot of potential benefits you avoid another surgery, right? And the risks that go along with having another repeat C-section, you typically have a much shorter recovery time and you get to experience a vaginal birth. So I will end with, if you are considering having a VBAC, it is super important to have this discussion with your provider and find a VBAC-friendly provider is what I call them. Start to do your research. If you are pregnant, you know, for the second time or however many times and you are like, you know what, I am going to go for this VBAC thing. That is my number one advice to you is to seek out a VBAC-friendly provider. Start looking around, start reading reviews, start searching in mom Facebook groups and asking people like, who's your OB? There are so many ways that you can kind of go about this, but it is important to have this discussion. They can help assess your individual circumstances and discuss the benefits versus risks of VBAC versus C-section more in-depthly than I can just on this podcast, right? And just provide you individual guidance based on your situation. And then you both can make a nice informed decision together about what is best for you and baby. Love it. Okay, next question. Hi, Lucille. My name is Taylor. I'm just calling with a question about comparing my two labors. I'm not pregnant with my second yet, but something I want to know is, is my labor destined to be like my first one? The first time I was having contractions every two minutes the whole time, which ultimately led me to getting an epidural, which I wanted to avoid. So I guess my question is, is my second labor going to be the same? And should I expect the same thing or is every labor different? Thanks. I love this question, too, because it gives me the opportunity to talk to you guys about how every labor is different. There are no two labors that are the same. There are two labors that are similar, but there are no two labors that are the same. And let's just elaborate on that. okay? so they can really, really vary significantly, okay, from person to person but even pregnancy to pregnancy. Now, from person to person, there are some moms who have had babies before. Some moms are taller. Some moms are shorter. Some moms have uterine abnormalities. Some don't. Sometimes, I don't know, you have certain medical history that this mom doesn't have. That's like mom to mom. But from pregnancy to pregnancy, it can really vary as well. Maybe you had a baby like 15 years ago and now you have this other medical history that wasn't really pertinent at the time and now it is. Maybe you have 
the sperm is different. Okay. That actually can make a difference. Maybe this pregnancy is an IVF pregnancy and this one wasn't. Maybe the baby is just a lot bigger than your first one or your first one was a lot bigger than this baby. Maybe you went into labor spontaneously this time and you didn't the last time. Maybe you're laboring at 37 weeks versus 41 weeks. There's just like so many factors that can come into play that can make each labor with the same person significantly different. So there's that spiel to kind of understand. All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, my time finally came. Oh, I feel that. (laughs) Baby boy was born yesterday after 34 hours of labor with no epidural after taking your course. After a while of laboring and stalling, they put me on low Pitocin to get things moving along, which definitely amped up the pain. I was so exhausted and hurting pretty bad, so I opted for IV pain meds so I could try to rest a bit better between contractions. They bumped up the Pitocin once and I was really starting to struggle, but I was able to cope with the pain thanks to a lot of your helpful tips. I got to a point where I could not resist the urge to push during contractions, but the nurse told me they were still too spaced out and I was only five centimeters an hour ago, so she was going to up the pit again. I told her not to and asked her to please have the midwife come and check me. And sure enough, I was 10 centimeters and ready to push. That's, yeah, usually what that indicates. (laughs) I'm so glad I advocated for myself and so thankful I took your course. Oh, I love it. And she says, oh, and I don't think I would have made it without the TENS unit. So freaking helpful. That's great feedback. Yeah. Anytime I have somebody message me about the TENS unit, it is always that exact thing. They're always like, the TENS unit was so great. I'm so glad that I did that. So just know that, okay? <laughs> Get yourself a TENS unit. If you are planning on giving birth, you know, going to try and plan on giving birth without an epidural, it can be such a useful tool. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. With that spiel is also the fact that there are patterns that exist. Like if you've had a baby before, like your first labor, your first baby generally takes a little bit longer than your second, your third or your fourth. And usually what we see is if you've had, you know, if this is third or fourth, like they usually get shorter the more babies that you have. But that's not always the case, right? There are obviously some outliers out there. And this can be attributed to factors like your uterine tone from being pregnant before, just you've done this once before, like mentally you've gone through the process before. So you're like just more familiar with the process. So that can actually make a huge difference in like how quick your labor is and your body has just done it before, right? So your body just sometimes is like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I've done this before. This is how I get myself into labor. And this is what I have to keep doing to have this baby. Okay. And a lot of times with second or third or fourth time moms, you come in and you're in labor, or maybe you're even being induced and your cervix is a little bit open already. And it's a little bit prepped because you've had babies before. You don't have that thick, hard, you know, closed cervix that you might have with your first baby because 
with your first baby, you've not had a baby come through that cervix before. Now, there are also medical interventions and circumstances that could make each labor quite different from the next, okay? So you might have gotten induced the first time or you might have gotten an epidural, like you said, the first time. Maybe the second time you go into labor spontaneously and you don't feel the need to get an epidural or maybe you went into labor spontaneously the first time and the second time you're induced and it's just different. Maybe you got your water broken the first time and the second time you didn't get your water broken. But I think it's safe to say that even though you were having contractions like bam, bam, bam on top of each other every two minutes, like you said, it's probably going to be different the second time around. And you might be able to tolerate it for longer or your baby might just be in a little bit of a different position. So you'll go from, you know, active to transitional labor quicker. So you won't feel like you're just stuck at these two minute, you know, back to back to back contractions. I can't take it anymore. Like I got to get an epidural to like relieve this. So I'm going to leave you with this advice. Whenever you decide to have a second baby and maybe during that pregnancy, you're like, yeah, you know what? I want to try and do this thing without an epidural. Start to do lots of education on giving birth without an epidural. Pain coping techniques, mindset stuff, the birth process in general. I've got a great course, <laughs> Birth It Up the Natural series for moms just like you who are like, I want to try and do this thing without an epidural. But whether it's my course or whether it's somebody else's course, I would highly advise you to educate yourself about the whole process. So even if you go into labor and you decide to get an epidural, you will feel prepared going into the birth process. I can't tell you how many of you guys send me messages and, you know, it's a very similar situation where you say, I was planning on trying to get an epidural, but things changed and I got an epidural and I don't feel the least bit bad about it. I don't have any guilt because guess what? I felt really prepared going into this and I knew exactly what to expect. Well, not exactly, but you know, I knew what to expect. I knew what the procedure entailed. It just makes a huge difference. So that would be my advice to you. Start educating yourself. You can start now, even though you're not pregnant, but especially once you get pregnant for that second time, start doing some education about birthing without epidurals and start watching birth videos and listening to birth stories. All of my favorite things. <laughs> okay, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for sticking around this week with me. I am going to read off the phone number again if you want to call and leave a question for me and hear your little voice on the podcast because I think that's really cool that we figured out how to do that, right? So if you want to leave me a question, it's really, really easy. You just call the number and it's a voicemail. Nobody picks up. It's just a voicemail and you, you know, it says beep and then you ask your question and I'll play it on the podcast. It's so fun. So the number to call is 919-213-8719. And if you forget or whatever, it's in the show notes page as well. You can just scroll down and the number is right there to call. I really like doing these episodes. I really like hearing y'all's voices because I feel like I just am more connected to you. The podcast is different from Instagram because you guys can leave me comments, you know, on and reviews and stuff, which... Go do that if you haven't done it and give me five stars because that actually helps the podcast a whole lot. If you hit the five stars and then you leave me a little review and say, hey, I really like this episode or hey, like Liesl's the best or whatever you want to say, that actually helps a whole lot. But side note, um, 
I feel like Instagram is so much different or any other platform is so much different than a podcast because I can't see y'all's comments, you know, like on YouTube videos or on Instagram or TikTok, you guys can comment. If I put something out, you guys can comment and say, hey, this is how I feel about this. But with podcast episodes, I just kind of put it out and I hope that you guys like it because I see how many people listen to it or how many people don't listen to it or I read, you know, a review or something and they reference this episode. But yeah, it's just different. And all that to say is that I really love hearing your voices and it makes me realize that there are actually humans listening to this podcast and I'm not just putting it out there and these numbers that I see are just numbers. There are like people. So thank you to everyone who calls in and asks questions. Thank you guys to leaving reviews and just sending messages about how much you like the podcast. It's just, it's so sweet. Um, yeah. So call me and leave me a voicemail or, you know, just call me and don't ask me a question and just tell me how your day went. I don't know. I just like to hear your voices. Okay. Oh, and I forgot to say next week's episode is going to be a birth story. I almost like the whole point of sometimes doing these little things at the end is to be like, Hey, here's the end of the episode. And here's, I don't know what's going on in my life or whatever I want to say to you guys, but also like, here's the next week of what is going to be on the podcast. And I didn't even say that. So next week we're doing a birth story. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth and newborn life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver.